This week on The Native Immigrants, it's our final episode of this season. Listen in to the second half of the show as we're speaking to Amandeep and Tejpal of the UK Punjab Heritage Association as we discuss this brand new discovery of thousands of records of Punjabi soldiers from World War I. Find out how these were found and details of Jojo B's own personal history. The native immigrants from the building, hit the music. <laughs> Salutations and welcome to this episode, the final episode of this season of the Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. It's the last hello. Yes. From Jojo B this season. I'm just going to miss my sing-songy hellos. Sing-songy hellos. <laughs> I mean, you literally haven't gone further from that octave. That you pronounce your hellos yeah. every single. What more do you want? I mean, I'm not going to do like a Mariah Carey kind of. I can't even do it. I'm not even going to attempt this to do the thing. it. No, Mariah exactly. Carey, hello. You probably like you know kill half the cats and dogs oh, in our local areas yeah. just yes. from um, from warbling. Yes, but yes, it is the uh, end of the year. End of this season. Where the fuck is 2021 gone? Well, it's a question that we literally asked ourselves only five minutes before we started recording this show. Just thinking back on like, when when is the last time things were good <laughs> in life? Yeah, 2021 can go in the bin as well. 2021 can officially be checked off that same list of another year of turmoil. But we're still here. We are. We've still been producing great content for our listeners. We have. And it's the end of another season, season four. Yeah. How has this season been for you, Jojo B? Uh, I was going to make a joke about the hotel there. Um, the Four Seasons Hotel, I mean. Oh, my God. If it... <laughs> How how thick do you think our listeners are that you have to spell out your it jokes wasn't even as well? Before them, it was for you because you looked really blank. I know exactly. Um, what was the question? So you know this podcast, the Native Immigrants, yeah. your podcast, yeah, the like one that I'm on right now, co-creator, yeah. co-owner, this one, CEO of the Native Immigrants. Yes. What do you think of it? Yes, yeah, all right, isn't it? It's not bad. It's, it's not, not bad. bad. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> No, it's been it's been different this year because we went fortnightly. Yeah, of course. That felt a bit different compared to last year where we were like, every week we're out there churning it out. I think that was the year of everyone trying to churn out content because they're at home. They had all the time in the world. Yeah. Loads of people were furloughed. So um, they had a whole opportunity to create stuff literally on a daily basis. We saw sometimes with some mm. people and we managed to do that weekly as per our first ever season of The Native Immigrants. And we delivered loads and loads of shows that year. Hasn't been as many this year. But what we have delivered has been some top-notch stuff. Top-notch. You know, that's not tooting our own horns. Toot-toot. But that is uh, from our own listeners themselves. So 
Thank you to everyone who's listening to this season and all seasons of the Native Immigrants. Everyone that's still here, the, the day one people is where I show my hugest lovest. Yes, you joined in at the very beginning and you're still here with us. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why, but you are and we appreciate you. Yeah, I, I'd love to like, you know, cast your minds back or just put like a side by side of our energy levels on the very first show <laughs> to this current conversation. Oh my Jojo God. P. Oh uh, my God. As, um, yeah. Pre having anything to do with babies. Yep. Uh, and post. Pre, and yeah, and pre COVID and uh, yeah, so the days where we managed to have a life. Um, and so the fact that you can still sit here and listen to us talk the way we do week in, week out. I highly commend you, I salute you, and I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and my wife's for still continuing this journey with us here on The Native Immigrants. And for me, when I think back on this season, I think in comparison to last season where we had loads of like, you know, big guests and it was our first season with guests and it was about, you know, their, their incredible stories through their careers yeah. and, and, um, and what they've done for our community. I think this season was more about the the real stories, you know, the the stories of regular people like us, you know, yeah. and, and and find out more from their perspectives and, and some of the extraordinary stories um within within our own communities from people just like you and me, everyday Joe blogs. Yeah. The one that really kind of comes to mind or springs to mind first is Jit story. Of course. Absolutely. Um, about addiction, which was that was a powerful episode. Hundred percent. Um, you know, I, I encourage everyone to go back and listen to that from our archives. I, I know I was very skeptical about it pre beforehand, but I have to say the month of love was uh, a definite <laughs> highlight for this season. Skeptical because it was my idea and he's always skeptical about anything that I come up with. You know, I was, I was just kind of like, you know, it's great. Yeah, we, the month of love, we speak about it every year and we, you know, we always kind of thought, should we do some shows dedicated to them? But I was like, is anyone really going to care about this? You know, it's, it's going to take away from what we are and what our show is about. But then you kind of realize it is what our show is about. Our show is about our community and, you know, speaking to people from our community is something that, we both feel very strongly about and to hear real life stories and love is something that should really be something that is all about us uh, and we got a chance to speak to some amazing people over the course of that month heard some amazing stories some um, horrifying stories and some horrifying stories yeah. um but a, a lot that people could relate to um and yeah that was a definite highlight for me i think this season to analyze our relationship yes relationship therapy the actual therapy that he always goes on about that we're having that we've never actually had well this this show is therapeutic it's almost a cathartic session week in week out to help me help you into having a better marriage isn't it okay <laughs> i mean yeah if, it's it's evident from our <laughs> listeners uh if it if it wasn't before then it absolutely is now but yeah i would say those are some of the highlights um yeah thank you to all the guests that we've had this season on our show um thank you to new flow for providing the theme music uh for this season of the native immigrants it's been awesome it's been amazing um and i like to always highlight and, and support you know our musicians our 
uh, British Asian musicians. You know, a lot of them are independent. So many of them are struggle to make ends meet because they work normal jobs, nine to fives, and then find time to do music on the side because that's their passion. And that's something that I've always had in my life and that yeah. same ethos. And so it's about supporting independent artists. And if you don't support your own, how are we going to progress? And so every season we like to champion a new, well, I say new producer. It's like, you know, some of the tried and tested great super producers yeah. uh, within our uh, community and our industry. Um, and next season we'll no doubt do the same by championing someone else. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing some. He always just plays me music. What do you think about this? Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> and then one will just be like, yes, that's it. Yeah. And one of them will just be the perfect one. Well, Jojo B is like the super pickiest one. So she's yes. had, she's turned down many a super producer over the course of the last few years. <laughs> where I've, I've painstakingly tried to like, you know, get something from them from our show. And they've like, you know, out of the goodness of their heart said, okay, look, here's something. And Jojo B is like, yeah, no. I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it, bruv. Not not really what our show is about. I'm not into names. It needs to be good. I mean, I wouldn't talk to people if they weren't good. You know, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, just... I'm sure they produce other good stuff. But sometimes, not everybody, every, not everything that everyone makes produces is brilliant. Wow. No, are, are you going to take that? Uh, I'm going to start dropping some names. I'm not going to be here to drop any names. How okay. Because they not... do produce other amazing things. Yeah, for sure. Just for sure. No, not everything can be a hit. Wow. Is that what you think about my music then, Jojo B, as well? Uh, <laughs> Look at this. Unbelievable. My worst critic is living within the four walls of my own home. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone um, that's listened uh, and contributed and given us great feedback. Um, all the, you know, the shares and the likes and the comments across all of social media. It helps us get seen. It widens our audiences because we want to get our conversation out to as much as we can in terms of our community um and you know we've been lucky enough to still have a great listenership after all these years and we hope we continue to have that in 2022 for season five of yes. the native immigrants and while we're away feel free to make you know loads of comments <laughs> loads of reviews yeah, no, well, you can do that as well. But um, yeah, just uh, leave us some reviews. Yes, yeah. So know. basically, we still want ratings and reviews on Apple iTunes, um, you know, Apple Podcasts specifically, um, because if you do that, hence helps us get seen and and heard through algorithms and all that kind of shit. Yep, um, and then subscribe. Yes, and share and just generally love us in every way that you possibly can <laughs> yes because we would really appreciate that yeah we really would um and so yeah we we would love all the support outside of seasonal time um as much as you've given us inside seasonal time yes but uh we should move on to what we're doing in this episode with this this season is not over yet it isn't over no we have lined up an amazing couple of people in the second half of the show so in our last episode jojo b had found out that there was a new recent discovery made in the depths of the lahore museum mm -hmm. over three hundred and twenty thousand records of world war one troops from punjab were found mm -hmm. including names regiments where they were from Crazy, crazy discovery. 
And we're lucky enough to be joined by the UK Punjab Heritage Association themselves in the second half of this show, Amandeep and Tejpal, who are going to be joining us to talk about this crazy discovery. It's out there, yeah. My excitement for it is uh, continues. I just think it's a wonderful resource and more and more people will be able to access this information as they release more and more records mm -hmm. and you'll be able to find out your family history if you're from Punjab and you had a relative who fought in World War One. Yeah, exactly. And even if you didn't know, you could potentially find out on here that they did. Yeah, because it's village by village data. Yeah. So if you know your you know your ancestral villages in in india in punjab specifically yeah then you will be able to look them up and see a list of names so then it then it's a case of investigating and kind of asking around yeah um about if anyone recognizes any of the names and that kind of stuff so yeah interesting you could be you know become a detective <laughs> well it does become like a punjab version of who do you think you are yeah uh, but the possibilities are literally endless and there's still trying to gather more information uh, and uh, you know it's an ongoing process so listen in to the second half of the show where we'll be talking to the lads more about this and exactly how they came about this epic discovery but a couple of things before that i know you've been itching to talk about this program through <laughs> all of this season and we haven't really mentioned it too much because I've always had to watch it on a delay. Yeah. I keep missing the like episodes when they're on. So yes. then I always kind of miss the conversation. But uh, yes, that show would be Bake Off. Yes, the great British Bake Off, uh, and, for those people who don't know. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the, the finale yet, like you should have done. But if you haven't, just skip past this. Skip bit. past this, get straight to the interviews with the, with the guys. Yeah. Um, what a fucking final, hey? Yes. Wow. So we had two Asians. Mm-hmm. Which was awesome to see. Yes, indeed. And neither of them won. <laughs> as, um, as <laughs> and that's not because they were Asian, but that was a very close final. And to be fair, I had been rooting for Giuseppe from the start. So good for him. Um, but yeah, two very talented bakers. Um, one that apparently had only started last year. Deba apparently. Potentially, potentially debatable. For but, me, I mean, he's just supremely talented if he did start last year. And there's the, every chance that he is just that talented. But wow, those are skills that he had. Yeah, very, very skillful baker. And for me, uh, he was robbed. I actually thought he should have won that final. Um, I thought overall, consistently, he had the better of the three bakes. Obviously, Christelle was miles ahead going into the final round. She had round. it in the bag and then... What happened, eh? Yeah, exactly. Um, epic fail for her. Um, but yeah, it, it was great to see two Asians in the final. Um, I've kind of been rooting for Chiggs through most of it. Um, not just because, obviously, he's an opener. Yeah. But also, um, he just I think his story was great. You know, if he did take up baking only just last year, then it shows how much he'd come, you know, leaps and bounds from that point mm. um, and produce some real epic, epic bakes. Um, and yeah, he looks like the, the Asian housewife's favorite as well. <laughs> and also it goes to prove that you, like you, darling, could, you know, start baking. You could get in the kitchen mm. and you could do it. I, I could do, but then because you, you bake, I never have to do that. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I, I, you could also take an interest in it. I could take it an interest in it. There's nothing stopping anyone yeah. from just giving it a go. 
you never know how good you'll be at something until you try. Look at Jinx. No, that's, that's very, very true. Um, you know, the, my problem is like if I, every time I try to get in the kitchen, Jojo B keeps me out of it um, because that's her but space. Genuinely, there are days when I'm just like, please don't make me go in that kitchen again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, I don't want to look at my kitchen. I don't want to do anything. And those are the days we get takeaways. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Because there's only so much I can serenade you with a cheese and tomato sandwich for dinner. <laughs> Um, but yeah, serenade me with a sandwich. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it it was great to see um, you know two very talented bakers uh, from our community in the final. Uh, wasn't a winner, unfortunately. But um, watch this space for you know some no doubt cookbooks and around the the media circuit for for Chiggs and Christelle. I mean, our community's done very well on that show over the years. 100%. And uh, let's hope the next season when somebody else will be yeah, representing they can us. Yeah, continue that legacy on for next season indeed. Absolutely. Uh, and lastly, shout out to our friends Anoka Beats and Rita Mora, who have collaborated on a brand new single Woo-woo. that is out now. Make sure you support them both. Um, I actually made that introduction. Um, did you yes i did indeed. i did wonder how they met i was yeah, like yeah. oh we know these guys and and we know rita and i like oh how did this happen yeah that was that was yours truly your boy made that intro oh, wow. uh, to enable that to happen so both of those guys you're welcome <laughs> um but uh but yeah it's it's beautiful to see um you know people that you know genuinely and, and are good friends of ours collaborating musically um, and producing some good stuff to put out there. Um, and that's what our, our show is about. It's about bringing people together um, from all walks of life, uh, from our community. And in order to move forward, if we can work together to make it happen, then that's the only way we can progress. Yeah. Um, so, Jile Zara, the name of the track, is across all your streaming platforms. So make sure you go out, support, check out the track today and spread the word. Right, well, that is the end of this half of the final show of this season of The Native Immigrants. <laughs> oh, my God. We're back on the other side of the break when we'll be speaking to the UK Punjab Heritage Association after their recent amazing discovery. See you on the other side, people. second half of the final episode of this season of the native immigrants i'm swami barakas and i'm jojo b and we've decided to go out in a bang jojo b in a bang on a bang is it on a bang go back go out in a bang in a on a bang you're right (laughs) on a high on a bang on a high on a high bang just put the banging aside and we'll just say (laughs) on a high (laughs) on a high we decide to go out all guns blazing let's just say that um because something that you spoke about in our last show jojo b yeah was this amazing amazing discovery Mm -hmm. so the records of over three hundred and twenty thousand. World War One troops from Punjab have been uncovered for the very first time. They have. Now, these records have been left unread in a basement for almost 100 years, 
in the depths of the Lahore Museum in Pakistan. Madness. And have now been digitized and uploaded onto a website organized by the UK Punjab Heritage Association. It's genuinely phenomenal. I mean, it really is one of the discoveries of our time for our community, especially. Yeah, 100%. But I think also just in general, in terms of British history and um you know, modern history, yeah. having that information that's been lost for all that time. Yeah. It's a missing piece, isn't it? It's a missing piece of of a forgotten group of soldiers. Yeah. Massive group of soldiers. Yeah, because I think a lot of people from our generation, we would have heard from our parents about their parents, you know, being involved in one of the first or second world wars. But there wasn't really any information. There wasn't yeah. anything to kind of go by. Some of them didn't even have the names of these people um, because it because a lot of them, unfortunately, were were lost as well during that time period. Yeah, I, I mean, I have so much vague family history. <laughs> yeah. Someone says this, someone says that, like nothing kind of concrete. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, an amazing discovery. Yeah. But also what's amazing is some of the stats that were uncovered as well from, you know, after these uh, registers and the records were out there in the open. Um Finding out things like, despite only forming 8% of India's population, Punjab provided 40% of the men. It's mad. I mean, just crazy. Of, the, I mean, of all the men who fought with and for Britain in World War I, 6% were from the state of Punjab alone. 6% of the entire makeup of the British army in World War I providing more troops than the whole of Australia did. It blows your mind, especially when we know about the Australian forces. We know about the forces that came from other parts of the world, other parts of the empire. We, yes, we knew there was Indian soldiers, but we didn't really kind of talk about the proportion of them. Yeah. And the, the impact that they must have had has... I mean, I say must have had. We know that they definitely did have, but it wasn't spoken about. Yeah, it's almost like it was lost in the annals of time. Yeah. Until now. Exactly. Yeah. And to join us here to discuss this more and how this even came about, uh, we are delighted to be joined by Amandeep and Tejpal from the UK Punjab Heritage Association itself. How's it going, guys? Hello, uh, Jojo and Swami. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. To, um, to explain what we've been up to. Thank you. No, thank you. The pleasure is all ours. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely humbled for both of you to join us here on our show. So I think before we got to anything else, let's get uh, a little bit of background. For our listeners who don't know, um, tell us both who you guys are um, and a little bit more on the heritage itself. Why don't we start with you, Amandeep? Yes, my name's Amandeep Madram. Gosh, I've spent the last 20 plus years doing things on uh, Punjabi and Sikh heritage uh, in this country. I've written five books with a co-author, Palmjit Singh. We've done things from many, many around our visual heritage, but we've also written books about like Jallianwala Bagh and Amritsar and various other things. And then about 20 years ago, we founded an organisation called the UK Punjab Heritage Association. And the whole intent of that was to really kind of connect us as a second generation or as a community with a wonderful very rich heritage that actually exists in lots and lots of national collections up and down the UK as, as we were doing our research just 
for ourselves or for our books, we can just kept uncovering so much stuff uh, in archives, often hidden away. Mm. Uh, and so what we've done over the last two decades, really, is to try to bring that to light. And we've done that through books. We do that through exhibitions, articles, websites. Um, and as, as you've been referring to, through things like the uh, Punjab Registers Project. How about you, Tejpal? Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, my name is Tejpal Singh Ralmil. I'm, I'm a doctor by profession and fairly recent convert to anything to do with heritage. Mm. Um, and I was actually taken in by one of Akfa's previous um, exhibitions, which is, I, I believe, one of the landmark exhibitions with Sikhs in the First World War, um, which is 2014 to mark the centenary of the First World War. Mm. And it's only there where I really started to take an interest in my own personal family history. And that's where I really became acquainted with uh, Amadeep Madra and his colleagues at Akva. Oh, wow. Okay. So prior to this, you, you're a medical doctor, I guess, not a kind of... Not a, yes. Okay. So you had that's no right. history background, you studied history or anything like that? No, not at all. I, I was just sciences and medicine and um, any spare time was taken up also in that field. Um, so I know I, I, I came from a completely opposite field into this. So it was a passion project for you. That's right. A passion mm -hmm. and it's become a journey, which I'm still on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, every so often I find something new and which is always exciting and it spurs me on to continue in this, you know, digging and unearthing something. So who knows what you might find with this? That's so inspiring. Just, you know, where, where a, a kind of hobby or a passion can take you and how far, and what, you know, how far reaching it can be. Is, that's very inspiring. Um, so where does your interest in, and this goes to both of you, I guess, but where does your interest in World War I specifically stem from? My, my great-grandfather was... Uh, a Subadar major in the 23rd Sikh pioneers. Um, and beyond that, and the village he's from, um, I didn't really know much. Um, uh, we have a painting of him, um, but I had no detailed knowledge or any information about any campaigns he was involved with. Um, and also, I neither did I make any inquiries until I really went to this exhibition uh, sort of seven years ago. Um, and so that's really where my, that kind of was a catalyst for me to sort of turn in this direction to, to find out more, um, particularly when I saw others had more information than I did. And, and then when I spoke to Amandeep, he, he said to me that if he was a Subadar major, there must be more information in, you know, the Indian Army list at the British Library. And so that's how I started. And about how about yourself, Amandeep? Well, I think you you um, summed it up really, really well. It's just this fantastically interesting story. And if you're a writer or or you're in the creative world, as you guys are, you're always looking for that great untold story, aren't you? Yeah. You're also you're always yeah. looking to for something that feels fresh and new and has real impact and creates engagement. So when um, we were approaching 2014. Um, and of course, you know, in the cultural world, everyone was kind of gearing up for the 100th anniversary of the commencement of the First World War. Um, we knew we had this just phenomenal story of, of uh, Indians in the First World War, because it really was, I think, back then, I think it's fair to say, a kind of a forgotten 
part of the First World War story. We, you know, yeah. we're, we're assaulted by First World War in terms of, um, you know, whether that's from school or from watching Blackadder, but it's a white story and it's a story <laughs> yeah. of, yeah, of sure. mud sure. and it's a story of being in the trenches in France and all that kind of stuff. And actually, we know that people that look like us <laughs> can come from the villages that we we well know had a, had a you know, really very significant part to play. And as you said, as you said, some six out of every hundred men that fought on the side of the British Empire forces. If you line them all up, Brits, Canadians, South Africans, Australians, Indians, a whole lot, six percent of them come from our little villages yeah. in the Punjab. So there's this extraordinary story uh, to tell. Uh, we knew it was going to have um, an impact. We knew that people because the problem with the First World War, of course, is that word word war, isn't it? It just puts people off. No, who wants to learn about that kind of stuff? Um, but we knew that there was a family connection to it. And part of what we were doing, as, as Dejbal referenced in that exhibition in London, was to say to people, hey, look, we can help you um, trace your World War I uh, story. And, and by doing that, what you do is you take this kind of abstract bit of history, something that you might have learned in school, or you might have just kind of, you're going to come across in the, in the centenary and suddenly make it very local, very real, I feel very connected to it and and getting audience engagement if you're doing the kind of work that, that we do that's gold dust really getting people yeah. to really connect to a bit of history rather than say oh that's interesting or feel you know feel like they should have an interest in it because everyone's telling you it's an interesting thing but to be actually intimately connected to it is um is is brilliant is it's, it's what we what we can live uh, to do so that's what we attempted to do uh in, in 2014 and the work and, and you know that centenary and all the hype and the and the momentum that comes around it was just like this perfect completely perfect uh, moment in time yeah and I think obviously something that's very um prominent with our communities and our culture is family and wanting to learn more about your families and a more of an accurate sense mm. of their history also yeah. plays a massive part uh, I guess yeah. in in the sparking interest from so many of our people and our communities and so this obviously ties in really well with that because there's such yeah. so much more of a closer connection that's right that. although i always joke Swami, that we know more about our grandparents and our great grandparents terrible knee conditions and the, <laughs> yeah. the land disputes that they have with their terrible brothers rather than their place in the epic world history because you know Absolutely. there they were during partition there they were in the first and second world war either as combatants or left behind so they have this phenomenal part to play in in these epic histories of the world and all we know actually was that their back was terrible or, yeah, or that their, so their uncle had stolen a bit of land or something um <laughs> <laughs> it's so so true it's so true but also i think is, is there a part of that also when we talk about like we've spoken about our parents generation um the first um generation of immigrants that came to the uk and so much of what they had to endure um you know in terms of the um fight against the the far right and the national front uh, there's a lot of societal injustice a lot of racism um, and even when you speak to some of them now, they tend not to talk about it too much because it's not about bringing up um, a real traumatic part of their past. Um, and that could also be echoed with potentially the stories from our grandparents' generation in that that was a, a potential time period which which brought about such great turmoil and such great 
um, you know, uh, like animosity almost potentially uh, for some. And so a lot of that stuff does get kind of buried away in, you know, within themselves and gets brushed under the carpet within themselves yeah. um, because of so much that happened in that time period. And so I think that might be another reason why it's, it's these stories that we don't get to hear of enough is because uh, a lot of it has been kind of washed into the, the annals of time. It's because it's, it's kind of, there's so much trauma. There is so much trauma that went through all of those events, whether, whether it's World War One, World War Two, partition, yeah. just living life in general and in empire and in India. Like there was, there was a lot of trauma that went into that daily life and existence in that time that people just didn't want to talk about it anymore. They buried it and they didn't, you know, kind of very stoically got on with life and and didn't want to pass that information down through the family. So. I mean, mm. I very recently found out about my fa- <laughs> some of my family's um, uh, conduct, shall we say, during partition. <laughs> Extra, extracurricular activities. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, it was an eye-opener. I mean, we had, like, amazing, like, heroic story. And then this amazingly awful story of what some family members did. And it was just that time, wasn't it? Like, it, like kind of... People I didn't are people know. and they will act in the way that they are, you know, like they, yeah. they're living their lives. And so, but then they don't want to talk about it afterwards when they've done something potentially horrific. And so. Yeah. She told me, told me all this, like after we've got married. So <laughs> I only I'm married found out into, last year. Married into a family of, you know, blackguards and scoundrels. <laughs> I only found out last year. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I was, I was just going to say, I was going to pick up on that point of trauma. I think trauma absolutely has uh, a part to play for all the reasons that you've just said but I think also there's a I think there's another layer to this and and um you know data has been doing an awful lot of family research with people and we find sort of this incredible frustration where people just don't seem to remember or or, or or take the effort to seem to remember or write down or or um just be sentimental about uh, things in the past but I think there's another aspect as well which is whether it's partition or migration um, the stories are seen as being very uh, common, right? We, we, you know, they weren't living a unique experience. It was an experience mm. that lots yeah. of people. It was seen as un, as common, as unimportant. And I think there's a peculiarity of Indians, and it's this kind of Bollywood Bollywoodization of the brain, where the only thing that's important are the big epic. Yes, um, true. Yeah, sort of colourful, yeah. <laughs> mad, yeah, stories, and then everything else, particularly like even women's stories, they just get completely edited out. For sure, hundred um, percent. And things that it seems almost common or unimportant are just ugh, it's not it's not as it's not as good as the stuff that makes the screen. And I think there's an element of that that, or, or maybe we're just genetically not very sentimental about things. I don't know, but um, there is a phenomenal mm-hmm. frustration that we can find out very little about things. that only happened like a generation or two ago. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. And then I switch on the telly and they know what ancient Egyptians ate and how they cooked and what <laughs> colours they used for makeup. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it seems extraordinary at times. No, it's, it's yeah, absolutely true. Uh, but I guess, I guess but then this all brings it, ties it in really with the, what is the main question here. And it's how did you even come to know of this register and all these records? Yeah, well, actually, it, it, absolutely. It does come around to what we've just been talking about. So um, as Tejpal mentioned, we did an exhibition in central London called Empire, Faith and War, the Sixth and the First World War. And it was, as the title suggests, about 
uh, VI and, and their World War I experience. Um, and actually, just as I was preparing for that, my dad told me, in fact, he didn't even tell me, he told my brother, um, he goes, oh, yeah, my buyer was in the First World War. So his uncle mm-hmm. was in the First World War. And our sort of jaws hit the ground because he'd never mentioned it before. And uh, I'd written books about this. <laughs> and he'd never, he'd never thought troubled himself. Could have let me know a little to... bit earlier about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but again, it, but yes, yeah, so I, mean, I think it goes back to that. He just didn't think it was that important. He remembers yeah, yeah. taking him to the local town when my dad, my dad was a teenager at the time in, in the 50s and they would get his pension and he was known as Pension Waradaya. Uh, <laughs> his um, eyesight was bad because the sandstorms in Basra in, in, in Iraq wow. had uh, wow. ruined his, his eyesight. He didn't really know too much more than that. He, he didn't really trouble himself to, um, to tell us. Um, and then as we went into this exhibition, as I said, um, the idea was to connect people to their family stories. And in the case of Tej, that worked really well because his, his ancestor was a man of, of great rank. And when you are of great rank, there's all sorts of things written down about you. But what we found time and time and time again were just regular families coming in. Jojo, if you had come in, you would have said, I know, you know, my great grandfather was in the First World War. And all I know is his name. Right, and where he comes That's from. Literally that all the information that I had. <laughs> literally all the information you had, yeah. And same, same with me, Jojo. I mean, as I, I knew this, you know, Bishan Singh from Madhpur village, but I didn't know anything else. Mm. But the other thing that we heard um, from a military, uh, one military historian in India was uh, that they knew of a set of what they called recruitment registers lying in the Lahore Museum, which is a very unusual place to have sort of archival records because it's a museum and not not a library. Mm. And um, the unique thing that he said to me was, not only do they list every man from Punjab that went to war, but they list the village that they come from. And and if, if, you know, Jojo, as you know, that suddenly unlocks everything, doesn't it? Because you can identify a man's name and a village. And then with that, there's a record. You've got your actual person that you're looking yeah. for. So, I mean, that really kind of kicked off this, this what ended up being the seven-year journey of working with the Lahore Museum, convincing them, uh, cajoling them, paying them, <laughs> whatever it took to get these records uncovered and photographed, digitised, and then with, with volunteers like Tej, uh, organised and understood um, and then ultimately, um, you know, we've, we've put some of them on the web, as you as you mentioned earlier. So you mentioned there that you had to um, convince as much as you could. Were there, what were the kind of difficulties um, getting hold of the, like, were there extensive difficulties getting hold of this information? Or was there, or was it um, just a conversation or two that involved kind of you schmoozing them a little bit? Like how, how much went into getting hold of this and convincing them to give you this information? Not, yeah, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it wasn't easy. Um, and it took a long time. And yeah. um, But you know what? I, I pay massive tribute to Lahore Museum because they acted as very good guardians for a very important archive for a century. And it's, it's you know, they're very difficult um, environment in South Asia, yeah. as we all know. Yeah. Paper doesn't really last very long yeah um and there's all kinds of other pressures going on in both indian and pakistani 
museums. So the fact that they looked after them, I think is really the more important thing. The fact it took a few years of convincing and, um, and, and it is difficult in a, in a country like India or Pakistan, both countries have the same issues that when you're looking at military records, there's a sense of, oh, what, what, what are these things? And do they have anything in there that, that is a security implication? So mm. I think all of those things played into um, making it a little bit harder than maybe it would have been if we, we were dealing with a British collection. But, but that said, we, you know, we, we got there in, in the end. And, and actually, I feel both, as I said, both really pleased that they looked after it, but also really encouraged that there might be other stuff lying around in those, in those archives somewhere, which uh, might equal, be as equally interesting and important as, as these evidently are. Yeah, I'm intrigued now on like what could be unlocked within these depths. There could be like masses and masses of information. So Tejpal, like when now uncovering all these amazing discoveries, was there anything unexpected that you found along the way when you got hold of the register itself? Yes, there's quite a lot um, because these, um, sometimes we refer to them as recruitment reg recruitment registers, but they actually have a lot more information other than uh, World War One recruitment. Um, and that's why these registers are so significant. Mm. Um, for example, um, seven years ago when I approached Amandeep and he directed me towards the British Library, I was lucky enough to find uh, my great-grandfather in the Indian Army list because he happened to be a, what's called a Viceroy Commissioned Officer, a right. Subedar Major. However, that, that's like a minority of, of the soldiers in the Indian Army. Most of them are, are of non-commissioned ranks, Nikes, Lance Nikes, Sepoys, and they are not in the Indian Army list. So right. this, this register has all ranks, and that's very significant, Sepoys, wow. Havildars, uh, up to Subedar Majors. That's very, very significant. So, because initially I, I didn't know what to expect. I, uh, you know, I thought, is it just going to be the officers again, like mm -hmm. I've seen before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that was the key. That was one key point. The second thing was, it wasn't just soldiers. There were non-combatants as well. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, uh, tailors, carpenters, um, translators. Oh, wow. Uh, they're also documented. Um, but coming back to the non-World War One, so some people may not have an interest so much in, in the First World War, but they may have an interest in sort of socio-political history. Mm -hmm. And there are um, evidences here of, for example, the pandemic of the day, which, which in 1920, when these registers were documented, the Spanish flu Spanish was flu, yeah. in phase phase two and there there is evidence of some soldiers dying from the flu and from fever um oh. which they brought back with them um um so that was not something i was expecting to be documented sorry i was gonna say does it document um what happened to them after they came back so they that so if they got the spanish flu after they came back and passed away that that was also documented in there uh given that the, these were compiled after the First World War, yeah. so just literally after. So um, there, there are comments made in, okay. in columns. Um, and sometimes it's a bit non-specific, like died from fever. Um, mm. But right. we do know the Indian soldiers brought back the flu with them. And yeah. many more in Punjab died from Spanish flu than they did from the First World War, like by a degree of, you know, maybe 200 times more. 
Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It really did hit India in a big way. Um, and Punjab being one of the key recruiting grounds also suffers heavily from the Spanish flu because most of the soldiers came back to Punjab. So, um, you know, these kind of um, key pieces of data are also to be found in these registers, yeah. um, as well as other other sort of nuanced, you know, court martial incidences. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. Yeah, all sorts of, uh, yes, um, where some soldiers are turning on each other and then they've been punished for it. That sounds like Judge B's family, for sure. There's no court marshalling (laughs) in my family, thank you very much, as far as I'm aware. (laughs) As far as you're aware, inverted commas. Well, what would those punishments have been? Uh, Well, I I can think of one example. Um, I remember there was a village in Jalandhar called Jamshir and um, it says, uh, you know, he, he killed his Lance Nike and ran away. Um, oh. And then it says, hanged. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So. Punishable they, by they death. Yes. And, and also some districts, some registers for some districts hold more information than others. So there's no, you know, uniformity always. Mm. Um, it's especially when it comes to comments. Mm. Um, you mentioned that, Punjab was a massive recruiting ground. Why was that? Why did so many soldiers come from there? You have to wind the clock back a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll try to avoid a history lesson, but um, I'm going to wind the clock back to 1857. It's a very important year in Indian history. It's the year of um, what's often called the Indian Mutiny, the First War of Independence, the mm-hmm. Great Indian Uprising. It's got various contested names. And essentially then, this is not Britain in charge of India. This is the East India Company in charge of India or or the kingmaker, if you like, in India. And its army is made up largely of um, high caste Hindus, right, from the sort of central part of India and very successful at it. Now, you've got to remember that the British were outnumbered 1,000, 2,000 to one in India, and they controlled that country uh, through a variety of mechanisms, you know, they will say great administration, and um, uh, but there's also local collaborators and maharajas, but also this army. This army is incredibly important for control. What happened in 1857 is that the, the army revolted against uh, the British ostensibly because um, of the breaking of religious taboos. So a cent- uh, there was a rumour that the 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 um, these cartridges that they use, they have to bite the ends off the cartridges in order to yeah. fill their guns up, um, that they were greased with, with cow fat. Now, I don't need to tell you that that's a you know, major uh, religious no, no. taboo for yeah. Hindus. And But really what you had was this underlying, this is 100 years after Plassey, it's a hundred, it's, there's an underlying sense of resentment towards the British. It's just kind of going on. Whether this incident occurred or not, I don't know, but... Uh, the point is that the Indian army started to revolt against the British and British control or East India Company control over India for about six months lay very, very carefully in the balance. Um, Hundreds and hundreds of um, white British people were killed, which Brits had not experienced uh, before. And um, really, what did what did they have to rely on? Well, the only people they really had to rely on were those parts of India that remained um, uh, remained loyal, and Punjab was one of them. 
And the reason for that was probably because Punjab had only just been taken by the East India Company and didn't really feel any kinship towards uh, the rest of India. So when, when the mutiny was all said and done and the British were, were essentially victorious, it's, it's almost an act of, of um, uh, to, to pay back Punjab is to use Punjab as a a recruiting ground because actually a job in the army is a, a very high status role but it's more than that this this is like the divided rule type policies that really typified the, the post East India Company yeah. reign which was if you had an army that's made up of all these disparate um, castes and backgrounds like uh, Sikhs uh, Batans, Afridis, Rajputs, Gurkhas, there's really no kinship that they have between them. A Sikh and a Batan are just not going to gang up together yeah. um, and feel a sense of kinship and brotherhood uh, with each other. So it was quite useful to have this, this army, which was not just made up of a single class, but made up of many others. They then codify that, the British then codify that in this notion of martial races. And that is to say that there are certain races of people, certain uh, classes and types of people who are naturally predisposed. They are masculine, they are loyal, um, and they're predisposed to life in the army. And they, those are the Sikhs. Mm. They are Punjabi Muslims. They are Afghans, um, Batans, Gurkhas, Rajputs, etc., etc. And then other people, uh, so Swami, you're from Gujarat, for example. Mm -hmm. Gujarat was really a recruitment ground. They, they thought Gujaratis were too... Too, a bit too bright, a bit too intelligent, useful okay. for for useful for administrative work, but too overeducated. And overeducation leads to a sense of disloyalty. So we don't want any of those. Or if you're in, in I don't know, Goa or Tamil Nadu, the first world war never happened for you because nobody came around your villages recruiting you. If you were up in the Punjab, where Jojo, you're from, yeah. um, more men. <laughs> were going to war, volunteering to go to war in the First World War as a percentage um, than were going from England and Wales. So, you know, it, two very different Indias. It makes complete uh, sense because because um, I'm, I'm the brains in our marriage and Jojo B is the brawn. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so it makes complete sense. <laughs> um, you said that they were they volunteered. I was just wondering, so my, my dad mentioned to me that he remembers his, um, his nana so his granddad saying that um, a lot of young men were kind of rounded up and forcibly volunteered shall we say encouraged yeah um, and you know there was conscription going on in this country so I just wonder how much of it was kind of genuine volunteering and how much of it was um, uh, yeah encouraged volunteering shall we say um, into the army like did people choose it really or were they made to do it they were on paper, they were volunteers. You've got to remember this was this was heavily encouraged by every single layer of the administration, the civil administration, military administration inside Punjab. So if you were a village boy in the Punjab, every single uh, figure of authority is telling you to join the army. Mm. Uh, and if you do that, are you really volunteer? Are you volunteering? Right. So, for, you know, for, forcibly aside, there is a, just a sense that um, there are very few options. So in the case of my uh, grandfather's brother, so this is 
This is the one that I was men mentioned earlier on. He's one of four brothers. And, um, and we're from a, not a very you know, rich part of the Punjab. They haven't got a lot of land. When the first brother gets married, the other three brothers know they are not going to have families. Uh, that Their family is not going to marry them off because that will mean splitting the land. So they know their life choices are pretty limited at that, mm -hmm. choice, at that point. And one of them, when the recruiting drums sound and, you know, the regiments come round, yeah, he joins up for that. He joins up for salary and pension and status and guns and glory and God knows what else people join the army for. Um, but, and because that option is available to him. So even putting aside the stories of being, you know, rounded up and forced to go in, which are, I would say, a tiny minority. It's really interesting you say that, Jojo, but it's, I, there is evidence of that happening, of course, but it's, yeah. it tends to be, um, it tends to be in the, the very small minority of cases. Um, essentially, it was an option, uh, a strong option that was available to young Punjabi boys of the right backgrounds. If you were a Sikh, a Jat Sikh, you know, you belong to agricultural caste, then, you know, this was a, this was very strongly recommended for you. Uh, there were some castes they would not recruit. Um, oh, really? Uh, yeah, because they wouldn't want to, um, they, they didn't see them as being martial in nature. There were some regiments that wouldn't recruit people of a so-called low caste uh, because they were only recruiting of so-called high caste. They couldn't have that situation where someone, where they were breaking the caste rules within the hierarchies of, of regiments. You couldn't have, um, uh, you know, so-called lower caste people in commanding positions. Uh, so they're, they're very conscious. They were very conscious of all of that. I was just going to add, when you, when you talk about um, sort of recruitment or whether it's forced one of the nuances the register has highlighted is some Punjabis had, who had emigrated or moved abroad prior to the war had enlisted in the armies of the countries they settled in, like Australia. Oh, okay. And that's also documented in the register. Um, and uh, maybe, the, maybe that particular soldier uh, who enlisted in the Australian Imperial Force um, had written to his brother in Jalandhar and hence his brother was able to pass on that information to the district officer who was collecting the information to compile the register. But there are, there's more than one example. There's, there's a handful of examples in the registers where soldiers are in the Australian Imperial Force. Um, so not just in, in Punjab. So, and they certainly couldn't have been coerced by, you know, the village sort of headman, the lumber yeah, yeah. so to speak, yeah. you know, um, and, and outside of the registers, we know they are, you know, there were certainly Sikhs in the Canadian Expeditionary Force um, in the First World War. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, so uh, I think the, maybe the forced or the coercion is, is probably less than a couple of percent. I, I don't know. And the coercion narrative is, is one that is a much later... So, so what's happened is that it's almost as a defence mechanism... Indians who have really discarded a lot of their First and Second World War history as they've obviously become independent nations and they, they look slightly uncomfortably back at the role that the Indians played in essentially, you know, their colonizers' wars. Yeah. As they look back on that, 
that things like the Indian National Army in the Second World War, um, but this these kind of narratives around coercion in volunteering, um, they tend to get a little bit more prominence because it's a way of yeah. being able to say, uh, yeah, we did it, but we did it under duress. Um, and it's probably also the reason to go back to you know what we started talking about is why we forget these things you know why these why these stories and why this history has largely been forgotten because there's a degree of sort of shame and embarrassment about it in India and it's even worse in Pakistan um, where they really have um, they really have discarded all of that mm. all of that history. Yeah, it, I found it really interesting that my dad told me that because we know that um, his nana we call him Babuji Babuji he volunteered he he went willingly um and and but it's just that something that he had mentioned to my dad um um many years ago so it, yeah it was, that's why I was wondering how much of it if we could tell how much of it had come from the actual volunteering because I have as I found out through the registers um and my conversations <laughs> my many dms well <laughs> where I kind of did his head in one night just asking loads of questions and I got really excited <laughs> about all of this stuff um I kind of discovered the the my so Bapuji my dad's nana's history my dad's maternal grandfather's and my mom's uh paternal grandfather so her dada we found out um that because they just had like we, we knew for definite that Babaji had had served but we weren't sure about my mom's dada and so I just had like really vague information and then you came back with all of this detail in terms of regiments and and all that kind of stuff and then I was able to kind of go and do a little bit of digging about where those regiments were based and what they what they kind of saw and um so it turned out that um my dad's nana went to Mesopotamia and um was in the 28th Punjabis um and they actually saw a lot of bloody action like it was kind of intense action that they saw and they they were involved in some some big battles um and then my mom's dad that was uh, in the 27th Punjabis I think it was and they were based on the northwest frontier um and and I'm not sure how much action they saw. It was quite um there wasn't that much detail on on what they actually did, but um it was just really insightful. And just knowing like we didn't know my mom's dad does dad's name, and so we found that out through the register Amazing. as well. So we've got Amazing. like another generation worth of name basically. We just got that one name, but we know that information now. We didn't even we didn't know that we hadn't gone that far that far back. And my dad kind of vaguely knew his nana's name, but wasn't hundred percent sure. But then we got that confirmed, and so it was just—it was so exciting. I was so excited to hear all this information about, you know, my previous generations. I literally have no idea that we have—we know that there's a family tree floating around somewhere in the ether. Someone has has got it, but none of us that I know of in my family have ever seen it. So we don't—we don't know that information ourselves. Um, so that was really exciting. We know that was medals that my mom's dad that had medals, but they got lost as these things do get misplaced or when families kind of move houses and stuff or whatever, they, they kind of got lost along the way. So we don't know what we, he would have won those medals for. He died quite young, which is why I was asking about the Spanish flu, because he died quite young, not long after he come back from the war, but we're not sure how long after. It was just very, it, it was a, it, my Nana was at a very young age when his dad passed away. So, um, yeah, there's just loads of information out there. I can, I just, I just find it so exciting that people can kind of just log on and, you know, like my dad was so, so happy to see that information, as was my mom. 
and she passed it on to all the family in India. And yeah, it's like, it just, it's revelatory. Even just having a name just felt mm. really big. Um, and I'm guessing many people who have, who have accessed the website would feel exactly the same. Is there more information that's going to come out? Because I know that at the moment there's um, there's three districts that are on there. Um, so is there is there more information? Is there more kind of um, is there more of a chance for people to find out this information about their families? Yes, um, there's. Uh, just coming back to your uh, your uh, particular case, which, which I remember I was looking at three weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, there's for, for Hazara Singh, which is your father's nana, I believe. So there's yeah. There's 30 soldiers from that village and two of them were killed in action. Um, one of them was from the same regiment as your, as your great grandfather. So maybe they knew each other. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They probably and, almost definitely did. Yeah. Um, so that that's in the Hasharpur district, which coming to your, to answer your question. So that's uh, another register, which, which the plan is to, to also upload with other, yeah. other districts. Um, at the moment, only three districts have been uploaded, but this is a work in progress um, and a longer project. So that's the plan. Uh, I'm sure Amandeep can add some more. No, that's right. That's right. Ted yeah. has done lots of the heavy lifting to do this, actually. <laughs> um, and is actually, you're very intimately aware of the Hashiarpur uh, district. So you've been working yeah. on it. So we have to do a map, uh, we have to do a, a job of cleansing the data, which volunteers like Tej have been doing brilliantly um, and sort of cleaning up the the text and then mapping it as well. So every village needed to be located onto Google Maps because I'm I'm really keen. We're all really keen that people just kind of engage with the physicality of of um, of Punjab and, and where it is. So again, it doesn't become abstract. It is a natural thing. So we've mapped all of the villages, which is incredibly challenging because place names change and Hashiarpur in particular, for example, uh, lots of um, people from partition, uh, sorry, after partition, relocated to Hashiarpur yeah. mm-hmm. from the, what has become the Pakistani side, and they bought with them village names. So all of the, when you look on Google Maps, things don't map up, match up because modern names are different to old ones. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, we've, we've got to do that. And then the intent is to uh, load up all of them, really. And there's, there's 28 districts, and we intend to do all of them and try to get them done as quickly, quickly as we can. So... The Punjab of 1919 is quite different to that of today. Mm. Today, if you're on the Indian side, you know what is actually about a third of the size of um, of the Punjab as it was yeah. Yeah. then, because you have states like Himachal Pradesh and Haryana and, and places like Gurgaon, which were part of old East Punjab. And then West Punjab is largely the same. So from Multan in the south up to Rawalpindi in the north. Um, is is pretty well the same on, on the Pakistani side as it was in 1919. So we we've got coverage across all of that, with the exception of um, the old princely states. So if I say places like Patiala or Nabba or Jeend, these were places that were not ruled. Sorry, were not administered. Apologies, by the British, but they were administered by the the, the princes, the, the the maharajas of those. Mm-hmm. Of those areas and they, they had a very different approach to record keeping so probably something like this probably doesn't exist but of course men from those areas did did uh, um, volunteer or were recruited yeah. uh, into the Indian army so that, that's the gaps that we have but that's a you know a minority of the Punjabi names that would uh, would have served 
Have you had any other um, surprising kind of personal stories come back to you? I mean, Ted is probably the, the, the expert yeah. on this because he's <laughs> done this excellent job of engaging any family member that pops up on social media <laughs> and says, oh, is my grandfather there? <laughs> Ted, why don't I've, you take that? I've got a few. Um, I mean, one of them might even be sort of semi-related to what you've told me previously, Jojo. Yeah. Uh, so one of the surprising aspects of the registers, particularly with the Jalunda register, is it does detail affiliation to political movements that a particular family may have had. And these were movements which were mm. precursor movements to the Gurdwara reform movement, which you kind of mentioned to me, Jojo. Yeah. Yes. But your one of your uh, great-grandfathers was associated with. Now, that's that's documented in the Jalunda register. Um, but and I and I and I've come across a, a extended family member whose whose ancestor was part of one of these movements, and the, the descendant was not aware. Um, oh, okay. So oh, that, okay. the, but that's actually probably not the biggest one. The biggest one is probably uh, one of the case studies I looked at. Um, this particular gentleman in northern England had his great grandfather, who he knew about in the First World War. And then the register said he has a brother and oh. he was killed in action. So his great grandfather and the great grandfather's older brother. Um, and the family only had a sort of a, there was a Chinese whisper that there was a brother. Not everybody was convinced there was a brother, um, but the register confirmed that there was a brother. Oh, so wow. Had, all these years later. All these years later and his name, and unfortunately he was killed in action in Basra, in, in Mesopotamia, sorry. Um, and the register confirms that he left no hears, um, which is why that the, my particular case study, he, he was not aware because he has no descendants. The, 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 right. Unfortunately, yeah, the soldier yeah, died course, before, he, before he got married and before he had children. So um, that was a big surprise for that particular family. That must have been huge for them. It, it was. Um, I mean, first, they didn't even know of, of such a soldier. Then they find out where he died and the date he died and the location he died. Uh, to the extent they even looked him up in the war diary and he died in sort of marshy ground, some marshes uh, he's mm -hmm. mentioned in the war diary. Um, and yeah, and, you know, a couple of hours before that, before looking at this information, they didn't even know about him. Um, so um, that, that was, uh, that's had a profound impact on that particular individual. Yeah. Uh, how about for you, Amandeep, in terms of this whole this whole journey and this whole experience um, in gathering this information and, you know, the, 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 the voyage it's taken you today and through potential stories within your own family itself, how has that been for you? What have you uncovered from your own personal side? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I started this with this knowledge of my dad's daya, my dad's um, uncle, um, and he does appear in the registers you look up our tiny little village and right on the very edge of eastern Punjab, and uh, there's one man that goes from our village to war and that is indeed my dad's daya bishan singh and he's listed there and his father's name is listed there as well amazing and it's it is amazing you know swami because these are the first and only times that those people who are otherwise huh, they're almost ghosts to us, aren't they? Yeah, Our of course. Grand, you know, great grandparents, great great grandparents, and there he is documented in this in this register that would have been built in uh, nineteen twenty. So that was that was really very 
Uh, that was really very moving. Unfortunately, it doesn't have any further information. The, that particular register is one of the very few where they list the man's name and the father, but they don't list regiment. Um, oh, okay. Most of them have got much more richer information, but for me, the trail ends um, The trail ends there. Uh, but there have been just so many. I mean, I, Jojo, just listening to what you were saying, I was really quite moved by, by that. The fact that you've engaged with this these dusty old archives and uncovered so much about your family history and given it momentum and no doubt you'll pass that story down to your kids that's a really profound impact that our work could have and you know the six seven years we've been doing it they've, they've been great but gosh does the payoff is hearing hearing things like that because now I know that that man and his story will not be forgotten and I'm reminded of um, a couple of instances where people uh, so I'll, I'll give you one story which was uh, Nina Nana who's a, um, uh, a, a journalist I think she's the head of arts for ITN News and she commented she messaged me just after that whole Lawrence Fox thing, do you remember Lawrence Fox? Yeah, yeah. when he kicked up about the um, the soldier in nineteen exactly. sorry nineteen seventeen. Yeah, we, we actually spoke about that in a previous show about. Did you? Yeah. yeah how about there was much of an there's an out it was great because there was an outcry not only from our community but the general UK uh, public Absolutely. that said no. There was a number a, a huge amount of Punjabi soldiers that were there and stationed during nineteen seventeen, and he had to apologize for it for his yeah. comments um rightfully so obviously exactly exactly he used the word incongruous didn't he, he said it was incongruous yeah. when we were there and then it all kind of blew up and then some of the other sort of slightly right wing um yeah. <laughs> uh, commentators well said well the indians had all moved from the western front which was which is true actually the vast majority of them had had uh, were, were there at the beginning in that very horrible cold winter mm. at the beginning but by 1917 they were in Iraq they were in Mesopotamia mm. um but Nina um messaged me and um you know she's also from Hasharpur we looked her up tippity tap 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 found her grandfather and she said to me oh he used to say he was at the Somme the Battle of the Somme, which is kind of one of those things that, you know, you hear a lot of, you know, that every everyone was at the Somme, right? Yeah. Um, and what we know that there were Indians at the Somme, but very, very few. There were only two regiments, I think, that were there. Um, anyway, we look him up and guess what? He's in one of those regiments. He was in oh, the wow. Oh, wow. So, you know, that, that family could almost be mistaken as, you know, the crazy old dude said he was at the Somme. And, and suddenly you're recovering not just that story but you're recovering the honor of it and the um yeah. and the fact that, that, that he carried this thing and, and probably when he came back to the Punjab in his little village in Hashiadpur and said I was at the Battle of the Somme it doesn't mean anything to those people because we're just not you know Punjabis aren't taught about uh, that history why should they be this was not their um this was not their battle so it was probably lost but there was some vague memory in that family but to be able to recover that to give that back to her I think, as I've said before, I think that's worth a million memorials, right? That's mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that she then passes down, um, uh, down the generations. Um, and you can't ask for more than that if you're working yeah. on history. Absolutely not. And it's, you know, at, at, we're talking about all so many of these young men that so many of their stories would have got lost. And 
and no one would have, have heard about them or known this, mm. the names or the regiments or any of these things. And it's, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, for, especially I speak from, on behalf of my wife and so many thousands of other people across the UK, across the world, who've had great grandparents that were, that were, that fought during that time period, I've now got this brand new information um, that they would never have come across ever potentially in their lifetimes. And it's thanks to, thanks to you guys. And it's, um, it's such a, it's such an amazing discovery. And I think, it, the stories are now going to resonate through our, our whole community. Um, and, you know, Jojo's one person with an exciting tale. Yeah. I'm sure there's countless other people once they've, once they've gone onto the, the website and got some more information and able to find the, potentially find their great grandfather's, um, you know, names and regiments and stuff can share the same stories. Um, I think it's an absolutely beautiful thing to see. And I think it's mm-hmm. hugely commendable, um, first of all, for finding this, uh, but then the the painstaking exercise of then digitizing it and making it uh, available for the world to see. Um, you know, Amadeep, you said obviously your story potentially, well, it, it did um, end there with your dad's dire, but the amount of stories from so many other families who've got you to thank for, for, for finding all this information for theirs makes it that much more of a, of a rewardable task. You know, it's it's huge and it's amazing to see. Well done. <laughs> well, thank you, Swami. Thank you for saying that. But, you know, I, I I will say, you know, a huge debt of gratitude actually goes to the volunteers that make it happen. This 26,000 pages, 300,000 records. This is not me. Um, there's volunteers like Tej and, and a team with that. The Lahore Museum for obviously keeping things. And then the University of Greenwich, who, whose historians have worked with us mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of give it a kind of a scholarly underpinning and will continue to work with us as we bring the next uh, phase to bear. Amazing. But what's what's next now for uh, in, in the pipeline after this for the association itself? Well, we wanna, we've got to finish this off, right? So we're going to um, get everything online. The other thing I really want to do is to get, uh, is to not just have it online. I really want to get out into our communities and... Um, have people engage with this material. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have this vision of pitching up uh, a gurdwara or a mosque or a, someone's wedding reception or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and have people look at it and say, oh, this is the village I'm from. You know, ma- maybe a massive touchscreen and just be able to dive into their village and, and yeah. be able to be see awesome. the names of men, be able to add information. Because particularly when you talk to older people, even my mum, she knows some of these men. When she was a little girl, she remembers them. Wow. Uh, wow. Well, my Babaji, he, he, my Babaji lived until he was in his 90s. Like, I met him when I was very young and went to India. So he lived until his 90s um, and yet never talked about any of this stuff. So that's why we had no clue about what, what exactly went on in, in World War One. But, um, yeah, like, there are people, there are generations of people in my family that have met that that generation, generation yeah. but still know nothing that, you know they yeah. still know the very great, very that's little. one of the really interesting things about first world wars it's tantalizingly close we're just a one generation yeah yeah and what these registers do is that they provoke um uh, these kind of intergenerational conversations right yeah. so rather than talk to your your 
grandmother or grandfather about you know the state of their knees um you can talk to them about <laughs> what growing up in their village was actually uh, like because when they were growing up they did come across these kinds of men and and, and suddenly things and, and not just the men but the women as well the the women that were left behind mm-hmm. um the social change that was that happened by the first or second world war uh when when suddenly the whole fabric of villages changes um and i think being able to provoke that that's a that again that's a lovely thing that um goes beyond just sort of writing history books it's the kind of thing that really enriches communities yeah absolutely 100 percent um Tejpa, where can people access this information so the website is www.punjab that's that's punjab with a u p-u mm-hmm. p-u-n-j-a-b www1.com so punjab ww1 one word dot com okay fantastic and, and where can people find the two of you on social media i'm on twitter at Aman Madra, um, and I, I've got other accounts, but actually Aman Madra, Twitter is my is, is where you're likely to get a response on DM. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm at Tejpal Ralnil on Twitter, um, and yeah, on Facebook under the same name. I was just going to add, because uh, you, you touched upon it, but if you go to that website, um, individuals can add there are opportunities to add if they have photos, for example, or, oh, okay. or something like this. They can, they can, um, you know, they can uh, um, pass it on by, by email, and we can add that opportunity is there. Oh wow! I'm going to have to ask around and see if we, if there are any family photos, especially in Bakuji, because, um, like, we have kind of because most of the family moved out of India over here. So I think they brought a lot of the belongings over. Whereas um, my mom's family in India, it got left in India and obviously gets forgotten about and no one, hmm. <laughs> no one looks after these things. Um, so yeah, I might ask and see if there's, there's, there's probably photos in like a wanted poster or something. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop. Don't stop. Um, no, um, I have, I mean, I've got a picture of him with me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. When, when, uh, my when first you really trip. young. Yeah, I was four. When, when I first met him amazing but it'd be like sure, but this there's probably like you know so many photographs from that time period you know we've seen some like over the over over the years and stuff from shared around on social media especially during remembrance day and mm-hmm. you know we see um, a number of photos of Indian soldiers but that's probably tapped into such a, a small pool whereas you know families could have so many of these things the same as we, these registers that were found in the basement of a museum in Lahore who knows this could be a whole like you know treasure trove of these things amongst people's houses and um you know within their families back back in india as well yeah um it'd be yeah amazing to see so much more photos and footage from from that time period and and you're and you're right amity you know it it is tantalizingly close we're still within touching distance of so many of these people that we need to make sure and ensure that our future generations like know about this history comprehend what happened what it took for all those people to go through to get us to where we are today which is incredibly important um and you know to to you know have a sense of pride as well for a, a lot of what our our parents and our grandparents and our great great grandparents went through um to to ensure we had a better future as well at the same time yeah I'm thinking about going when we go well, next time I go to India, I'm going to start digging through the bitia that we've got, you know, those big, <laughs> oh, those big kind of chests of like 
stuff that we always have in all our houses. I'm going to start digging through and see if I can find anything. I think that's that's um, I, I think that's a brilliant thing to do because I have been surprised at just how many instances we've you know we've we've done our little bit and been told absolutely point back there's nothing left in the village there's nothing left in the village only to find mm. then that suddenly stuff starts to appear because people don't know what it is you know there's some old yeah. papers in an envelope they don't really know what it is um but it's because we provoke and ask the question and people like yourself take an interest yeah. then uh, stuff emerges no promises but um uh, i've been surprised at how many times we've done that and then as tej says if if you can go that one step further uh, send that to us and add that to the database. Can you imagine in five, 10 years time, we'll have this just extraordinary insight into um, the role of Punjabi soldiers during the First World War, not just what they did, but then all of the nuanced and important stuff like yeah. the families that were left behind and what what became of them afterwards and images and all, all the kinds of things that really make rich history rich. Um, and, and that's 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 ultimately what we're what we're heading toward. Just going to add, sorry, so that just just to reinforce, that's why we want to we, we'd like to make some sort of physical, rather than just online, take this on the road, engage with the community, because you never know what you could extract, which artifacts, for sure. maybe letters, letters between families, or you know, to soldiers to the family, if they have that, they could add that to the website as well. Um, so we have to engage with the community to extract that kind of information yeah yeah of course well for hopefully for 2022 um you know with life opening up back out again um you know with <laughs> fingers crossed fingers crossed yeah, exactly um you know there's there's so many like festivals south south asian community festivals and millas um where they have loads of exhibitions and things like that happening so it'd be great to to potentially see um this across so many different events that are happening across the uk and you mm. mentioned gurdwara's um, as well yeah it'd just be fantastic to get once people have a bit more, a bit more information about their families to then start opening up the stories and opening yeah. up those conversations those dialogues because that's what we want to see we want to see um, people find out about their history and and then share that again amongst all their families but it's been an absolute pleasure uh, for both you Amandeep and you Tejpal to join us here on the native immigrants it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so so much thank you very much indeed thank you both for giving us the opportunity thank you no thank, thank you. you thank you for uncovering my family history <laughs> <laughs> anytime anytime <laughs> well that is it from this episode our final episode of this season of the native immigrants we'll be back in 2022 oh my god for a long extended winter hibernation break. Where did 2021 go? Honestly, it's flashed by. Uh, it's been like, like the shortest and the longest year all in one. <laughs> all in one, <laughs> indeed. But we'll be back next year for more of the same, covering the issues, taboos and topics within our community. So until then, I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then, people. Peace. Peace.